VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Well, hello everyone and welcome to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. We have a great show for you today, a little bit of a switch. Uh, I am interviewing one of the hosts on World Talk, and this will be simulcast on World Talk as well as Voice America. I have a great guest on today, and we're talking about peacemaking and conflict resolution. And you can give us a call on the Voice America line, 866-472-5787, or 88, excuse me, 5788, if you're listening live today on Monday, uh, November 12th, between 11 and 12 Pacific, and between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern. My guest today is Doug Knoll, who is the host of Fix Your Conflicts, heard on World Talk Radio. Doug is recognized as one of the best lawyers in America for his work as a lawyer peacemaker and full-time mediator specializing in intractable and difficult conflicts where relationships are at stake. Doug is the author of Peacemaking, Practicing at the Intersection of Law and Human Conflict. And today we're going to discuss how to resolve conflict through collaborative and cooperative solutions in both our business and our personal life. Welcome, Doug. Thank you, Patricia. It's great to be on your show. Good. How does it feel to be on the other side? Well, you know, <laughs> you do what you have to do, right? No, it's great. And you know, I always enjoy my conversations with you. Well, good. Well, first thing we've got to talk about is you talk a lot about peacemaking. You talk a lot about conflict resolution. We hear the words mediation. What is the difference between peacemaking and generic mediation? All right. Well, let's start. Let's back up a little bit because you use three terms: conflict resolution, mediation, and peacemaking. So let's start with the broadest term, which is conflict resolution. And conflict resolution can encompass any mode of resolving conflict that is known to humanity, okay. uh, including violence. Now, when we talk about conflict resolution, generally we're talking about nonviolent means of conflict resolution. But it's but basically we can think of it as any any way, any means by which people can resolve their conflicts. When we talk about mediation, we're talking about a voluntary, consensual process where the parties have agreed, the people in conflict have agreed to come together, and they bring in an outsider who is neutral, typically neutral and impartial, but may not be, who has no power to decide the conflict, but is there more or less as a process manager to help people work through the emotions uh, and the issues of the conflict and works with them towards a resolution. Mm-hmm. Peacemaking is a form of mediation where the goal is not only to resolve the conflict, but also to restore relationships that have been that, that have been breached by the emotions of the conflict. Okay. So you don't you don't probably usually see peacemaking in divorce resolution, correct? You'd see more mediation there. You will see more mediation in divorces, but I will tell you that although I am not a divorce mediator, uh, I have done two divorce mediations, and in both cases the couples reconciled. Mm-hmm. So reconciliation is not impossible in a mediation. It's just not what the focus is, whereas in peacemaking we're focusing on resolution and reconciliation. Interesting. Now, one of the things that, that I read in your book and that I've heard is that when we have all this conflict, 
matter what it is, whether it's divorce, whether it's about an estate that we're arguing with our siblings, that it's never about the money, it's always about the people. Explain that. When people come into conflict, Patricia, they bring four conflict goals. Those goals are content, relationship, identity, and process. When I teach this, I call it the CRIP analysis, C-R-I-P. Content is what we can see and talk about. It's money, property, things, the corner office, the big car, whatever it might be. Very objective, easy to define, easy to talk about. Mm -hmm. Relationship is all about the question, who are we in this relationship? And it has to do with our relationships with each other, typically in hierarchies. Are we equals? Are we in a superior to inferior relationship? And what is our role, group role, in within the relationship? Um, the third item, identity, has to do with who am I in this conflict and who am I generally. It has to do with our identity, our face, our self-esteem, our perceptions of ourselves. And the last is process. How do we go about processing this conflict? How, what are we going to? Which way are we going to process this conflict? And this has to do with conflict styles. People can be competitors or contenders. They can be accommodators, avoiders, and so forth and so on. Where do you find the most problem in this formula of the CRIP? Is it in it the identity part, the relationship part, the process part? It's always relationship and identity. And that's when you hear people say it's not about the money. It's always because the relationship goals and the identity goals, the fact that people want to be treated fairly and justly and with respect, uh, is almost always what drives the conflict. And the thing that makes it so difficult for people to work through conflict on their own without the help of an outsider is that it's very difficult for people to recognize that it's the relationship and identity goals that are driving them to anger and hostility and escalating the conflict, not the content. Mm-hmm. As I t- tell it, when I work with corporate 100 companies and teaching this sort of stuff, I say, okay, how many people have, have, have heard of a, 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 you know, a, a leader who's kind of a pain, asking for the corner office, asking for the big car, the big expense account. You give it to them to shut them up, and then three weeks later, they're in asking for something else again. Mm -hmm. So what you're trying to do, you're satisfying the content goal, but you're not satisfying the relationship or the identity goal. And as long as those two goals remain unsatisfied, the conflict will persist. Why is it, Doug, that so many people, whether it's business or personal life, have trouble sitting down together and saying, okay, we have a problem? I think the difficulty really is biological. Um, We have, in our brains, every human brain is constructed the same, and human brains have two, two, to to oversimplify a greatly complex, uh, a very complex topic, we have two, two systems in our brain relevant to conflict and peace. One is our conflict system, which is hard, basically hardwired, and our, and the other is our peace system, which is basically software, wetware. The peace system is primarily hormonal, well, the whole brain is hormonal, but the peace system is primarily hormonal, while the conflict system is primarily neuronal and hormonal. The, the, the conflict system has been around a lot longer than the peace system, and it is, can be highly, highly reactive. So what happens is when our brain perceives a threat, and it doesn't matter whether it's a saber-toothed tiger or an insult in a conversation, right. it's going to react exactly the same way. It's going to be instant, almost instantaneous. And Either it's fight or flee. That's right. Fight, flight, or fee flee, and it's going to happen before we're even aware that it's happening, 750 milliseconds. So people will actually be in conflict before they even know that they're in conflict. And by the time their bodies are roused and their adrenals are pumping and their capillaries expand and their breathing increases and they're ready for for action, by then they don't 
they're beyond salvation okay. in a certain sense because right, the rational cognitive part of the brain is shut down. All right, well, let me ask you this, since that's sort of almost automatic. Let's say we know that. We know that going in, and somebody's listening to the show and saying, well, I wish I could figure this out myself without a mediator. Okay. So here's my question. Would you suggest that if two people have a real problem and they decide they want to figure it out without a mediator, that they both write things down, like what do they perceive as the problem and what do they perceive as fair and what, how, and working it out step by step on paper together? What do you think? Um, that could be one exercise, and, and specifically what I would ask them to do is to identify the interests, needs, goals, and desires that they need to have the conflict resolved, not the position. I need the car on Saturday night. Okay, that's a position. Well, what are all the interests, needs, goals, and desires that would be fulfilled if that position were accepted? So writing that stuff down could be helpful. Another thing that could be helpful is rehearsing the conversation. Find either you can rehearse it yourself and kind of think through how the conversation is going to go and how you're going to react to it, or find a friend who's neutral in this and say, would you mind role-playing the conversation with me? And we teach people how to role-play, and when they can role-play the conversation, then they become less reactive when people do what's going to be expected, which is explode on them. And then they'll have their responses and counter-responses um, prepared, and, and so everything won't be such a surprise. Something that I've noticed, and I'd like you to address this because I think this happens often, and I often wonder why, is that two people may sit down, or there may be attorneys, litigators, as well as mediators, and these folks, when they have the problem to start winning on either side, they start throwing in things that just inflame the conversation. Right. So, well, you don't deserve this because do you remember what you did and you never helped me anyway? Yeah, exactly. And and all it does is just is just inflame the issue, make the other person mad so that they don't even want to compromise. Can you exactly. address that? Because that seems to happen often. It happens almost all the time. Two things are going on. One, the, the fundamentally, people are not listening to each other. What's happening is that as that conversation is going on, the person who is listening is not really listening to what the other person is saying. What that person is doing is 2% of the brain is focusing on the noise and the mouth flapping. And as soon as the mouth flaps in our in Western culture, the, we, can, we can begin our own talking. But the other 90%, 80% of the brain is spending its time marshalling the evidence and putting together the arguments right. to wither right. the other side. So there's virtually no attention placed on the person who is speaking. Well, the person mm. who is speaking knows that, can sense that intuitively and subconsciously that they're not being listened to. So they just get angrier and angrier because they're not being listened to. Mm-hmm. If you and I were across the river, we would have to shout at each other because we couldn't be heard. That's why people start to shout, because the mm-hmm. brain senses that it's not being listened to. And so the voice rates, well, if you can't hear me, maybe something's wrong with your hearing or you're too far away. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the shouting escalates and that creates the fear response system kicking in. So the, so, so the number one rule, learn how to listen to the other person, and there are tricks for doing that. We're going to talk about that after the break, but I've got one quick question. Do you think that there are folks that just really want the fight? There are a small mm-hmm. minority, yes, 10%. Mm-hmm. So really to make this work, you've got to have two people that are at least willing to enter into some kind of bargaining or compromise or resolution. In order for this to work, you need to have two people who want who want, yeah, well, they don't, really all they have to do is be willing to come to the process. They have to be willing to sit down. They don't even have to say, I want to compromise here. I'm willing, okay. but I'm willing to come to the table. If they're simply willing to come to the table and talk, then we can, we can find peace. All right. All right. Great. 
You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Rask, and my guest today is Doug Knoll, host of Six Your Conflicts on World Talk Radio. Doug is recognized as one of the best lawyers in America for his work as a lawyer peacemaker. He is a full-time mediator specializing in intractable and difficult conflicts where relationships are at stake. Doug is the author of Peacemaking, Practicing at the Intersection of Law and Human Conflict. And we're talking today about resolving conflict and how we can do that in both our professional and our personal lives. You can call us today if you're listening live on Monday, November 12th, between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern and 11 and noon Pacific. You can call us at 866-472-5788. These shows are archived on the Voice America site, on my site, raskinresources.com, and on Doug Knoll's site, knollassociates.com or lawyertopeacemaker.com. And this show is, is also today simulcast on World Talk Radio on Doug's show, which happens to be on the same time as mine, so it worked out really well. So when we come back, if you have any questions for Doug about going from really bringing yourself from conflict to peace, if you're in a difficult situation, he's the expert. Take advantage of that and call us at 866-472-5788. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Had an accident? The people you may encounter may be attorneys, doctors, and insurance agents. How do you protect yourself and your family? Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff, an experienced trial attorney and former legislator. Attorney Woodruff and his expert guests assist and inform on what to do in a crisis, what steps to take, what to avoid, and most important, what you need to know to get through the process. Meeting by Accident broadcasts every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Because being informed makes all the difference. Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, everyone. We are back. You're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. Now, I have to say that I really believe in the Internet, and Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now. And so do I. That's why my program is here. Positive Living brings you practical solutions and positive strategies to help you live the kind of life you want, which is exactly what today's show is about. We have a great show for you today. If you're listening Monday, November 12th, between 11 and 12 Pacific, and between 2 and 3 Eastern, and this is p.m. for Eastern, give us a call at 866-472-5788. We're talking about peacemaking, going from conflict to resolution. My guest today is Doug Noel, host of Fix Your Conflicts, which is heard on World Talk Radio, and we're simulcasting this show today. Doug is recognized as one of the best lawyers in America for his work as a lawyer peacemaker. Doug is a full-time mediator, and he specializes in intractable and difficult conflicts where relationships are at stake. He is the author of Peacemaking, Practicing at the Intersection of Law and Human Conflict. And today we're talking about how can we resolve conflict through collaborative and cooperative solutions in both our business and our personal lives. Welcome back, Doug. Thank you, Patricia. Okay. We were talking before the break about one of the keys to this whole whether it's mediation or whether it's peacemaking, is listening. And that although that seems simple, we don't do it, and we don't do it enough. How do we do How do we listen better? The, the, the key to listening is understanding that listening occurs at different levels. On the very superficial level, listening is just listening to the noise and the tone of voice. At the next level, it's listening to the words that are being spoken, as it, and the information contained in, the, contained in those words. But at the, at the most critical level in conflict, it's listening to the emotions. It's what I call reading the emotional data field. And we all have this capacity to read each other's emotional data mm-hmm. field. And so what I ask people to do is not to listen to the words, which can cause reaction, as we were saying before the break, when their blaming starts going on and accusations and threats and all that kind of stuff that gets people riled up. I have people ignore Ignore what's being said and just focus on what the emotion that person across the table is experiencing in that moment and repeat it back to them. You're feeling frustrated right now. You're feeling angry. Mm-hmm. John, I, John, you're, you're angry right now. John, you're confused. John, you're anxious. And that person will automatically come back and say, yeah, 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 I'm really angry right now. Or they say, well, I'm not exactly angry, but I am frustrated. Oh, you're frustrated. All you have to do is repeat back the emotion that you're reading in that moment. And what's the reason for that? Because in conflict, the most important thing for people to feel is an empathic connection. And as conflict escalates through the five stages of escalation, the first thing that goes is empathy. And you create an empathic communication by understanding the emotion, the emotional state of where the person across the table is in that moment. Mm-hmm. The other advantage to this technique of reading the emotional data field is that you don't get triggered by the hurtful words that are coming across the table because they don't mean anything to you. You just ignore them. There's no, there's no value in, in, in that information. The value is in the emotion that the person is experiencing in that moment. Mm-hmm. And, and I can tell you story after story after story where we've engaged people in this process, even in the most intractable, difficult, hostile, angry, almost violent situations. And once we got people to reading each other's emotional data fields and just reporting back the emotions, the conflict de-escalated magically. 
I mean, it was incredibly transformative. It's so simple. The other thing that happens when we do this, when we read the emotional data field, is it takes our minds off what we're trying, our marshalling the evidence and coming up with the arguments to, to blast the other side. We're no longer focused on self, ourselves. We're now focused totally on the other person, and it puts us presence in the moment. And, 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 and the other side, the other person can, can sense that, pick it up. And, and it, it's incredibly calming. I think one of the greatest gifts we can give to each other, and it costs us nothing to do it, is to deeply listen to what the other person is experiencing and let them know that, that we have heard what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll just say that you don't have to add a lot of stuff to it. You don't say, well, I, what you're saying is, or, gee, what I hear in my head is, or, gee, I think you're this. Just say it. You're frustrated. Oh, John, you're frustrated. Patricia, you're frustrated right now. Oh, Patricia, it looks like you're very interested in what's going on right now. Oh, you're happy. Oh, you're anxious. That's all you have to say. Very Eric, simple. How do you handle this when you're dealing with someone on the phone and same, you don't same. have the body language in front of you? you? We have. It's harder, but not impossible. I can listen to you right now and say, well, Patricia, you're sounding pretty calm and interested right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you just tune in to the tone of the voice, you will hear the emotion. There's a neuro, there are neurophysiological reasons why that exists. There, it has to do with mirror neurons. I won't go into all that, but there is a neurophysiological base, basis for our capacity to experience what another person is experiencing and then report it back. And it doesn't oh, take right. a lot of so, data for us to do that. So once we're listening, once we have said, you sound nervous or you sound anxious or you sound calm, then what? That conversation is going to go back and forth for a while. You know, it could be as long as 10 or 15 or 20 minutes until people finally feel like they're being listened to. And you'll feel that the conflict de-escalate. You'll start to calm down. When the person is deeply listening to you, reading your emotional data, you like, yeah, 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 yeah. You'll start to agree. And, and, and all of a sudden, people who, who would say the sky is blue know the sky is black, now they're agreeing with that. Yeah, I, I am feeling angry. You're right. I do feel angry. And then once you de-escalate that emotion, then you can start moving into a process to understand what it is that's really going on in the conflict. Because what you've done by simply reading the emotional data field is you've begun to address the relationship and identity goals that I talked about at the top of the show, the, the, the R and the I of the CRIP model. And once you've done that, then you can move into content. You can move a little bit more into content. And then, of course, if people get escalated, you go back to reading Do the emotional data field. you find, does it, when you handle the identity and the relationship, that the content that was so emotionally charged before is now not as charged and handled in a different way? Exactly. Now you can start talking about it. Now, the, the key about content is not to focus on positions, but to focus on interests. Supposing you're arguing, <clears throat> you've got a 16-year-old who wants to take the car out Saturday night and... and
but maybe it could be the party. Maybe, maybe John says, well, you know, my, all my buddies are getting together, and we're having a party, and we're having a bunch of girls over, and we're going over to Bill's house, and we're going to have a party over there, and I want a car. I, I need the cars because I need to pick up some friends and go over there. So my interest is in, is in being with my friends, and my interest is in having a good time and socializing and, and being out of the house. All right, well, that, those are good things to know, too. All right, are there other ways we can satisfy those interests? Yes, yeah, now wait. Other, I than, play other than you having the car. Okay, I want to play that out with you. Sure. All right, I'd like to play that because I think this is a good one. So then the, then the parent comes back and says to the, to the son, well, I hear that, and that's great, but I don't want you picking up these other kids. You know, what if there's drinking? And then, then you're responsible. What if something happens? And then, of course, the kid comes back and says, well, nothing's going to happen. How do you handle that one, Doug? Well, now you're getting positional. The parent would come back and say, look, I have an interest in a couple of things. One, I have an interest in seeing that I definitely want you to have a good time, and I have a real interest in your happiness and well-being. I also have an interest in seeing for your safety, and I have an interest in seeing that that within you, you have freedom, but within boundaries that make sense for where you are right now in your life. And I've got to respect those boundaries because I'm your parent and I'm responsible for you. And so we need to figure out a way for us to satisfy these interests. You having the sense of freedom that you want and control uh, and being able to go to this party and me having knowing that there's safe boundaries that are set so that, so that you can have your freedom, and, but at the same time you're protected from making poor judgments. So mm-hmm. let's sit down and talk about how we can do that. What can we, what can we do with that? Okay. And now, if now people, pe- parents that are listening to this saying, God, that'll never work with my kids. Right. Take way <laughs> too much time. Let me tell you something. You spend five minutes in that kind of conversation, and actually you start with them when they're about four or five years old, and you start working with them on interests in, instead of positions. And by the time they're 16, you won't have these problems mm-hmm. because you'll immediately be able to collaborate. In 30 seconds, you'll be able to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. But if you do the typical parent thing, which is, no, you can't do that, then you're going to get, get a passive-aggressive resistance from your kid, and all it's going to do is escalate the conflict. So the difference between stating your position and stating your interest, it's subtle, but it's, it's more of the win-win rather than the win-lose? Well, I don't like to use the term win-win for a lot of different reasons, okay. uh, which we can get into if you want to. But it's not, so much, it's not so much it's that you're looking at what the real needs are. See, if I, say, if I take a position, I, want, I, I need the car Saturday night. No, you can't have it. Position, yes, no. Can't go anywhere with that. What are you going to do with that? How do you compromise that? Mm-hmm. But if you go underneath and start problem solving and saying, all right, what are all the good things that would happen to you if you had the car? Here are the reasons why I'm my position. Here are all the interests that I would have fulfilled if my position were accepted. In other words, you don't get the car. Then you look at what the interests are. And what you find is that the interests are almost always identical. And there is room in the interest to find solutions that, that satisfy the interests, not the positions. And when you say the interests are identical, what would be the interests that would be identical in this? <laughs> I, as a, in, in the example we've been working with, I have an interest in seeing my 16-year-old learn to have some freedom and use, and use good judgment and be able to go out and, and mm-hmm. be with his or her friends. I have an interest in that because that is a social need and a psychological need that that child needs to have at 16 years old. Can't be stuck tied to the nest anymore. 16 mm-hmm. is a time when they're learning to explore. So I, I, I understand where my kid's coming from, and I, and I support that. The kid, my child has a need to be independent also. And so in that, there we have a mutual interest. We both want to support the need for independence and some freedom. So now the question is, how do we do that in a way? Context. Pardon me now? Now you're coming at it from a different context. Now yeah. he understands or she it, understands. Exactly. 
And now you, we can sit down and talk about how do we satisfy this interest in a way right. that makes sense to everybody. All right, we're going to take a break. My guest on Positive Living Today is Doug Knoll, host of Fix Your Conflicts on World Talk Radio, and this program is simulcast today on World Talk Radio. Doug is recognized as one of the best lawyers in America for his work as a lawyer peacemaker. He is a full-time mediator specializing in intractable and difficult conflicts where relationships are at stake. And Doug is the author of Peacemaking, Practicing at the Intersection of Law and Conflict. You can contact Doug at his website, lawyertopeacemaker.com or nolassociates.com, N-O-L-L associates.com. And if you are listening live today on Monday, November 12th at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern, and you'd like to call Doug and ask a question about a conflict you're having, please give us a call at 866-472-5788. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Wine and Women is not your boring wine geek show. It is rather a fresh, fast-paced approach featuring interesting stories and entertaining segments about wine and wine-related topics through a warm and chatty format that will appeal especially to women, men optional. Hosted by wine connoisseurs and luxury lifestyle experts, Julie Brosterman, Lisa Kring, Sharon Borston, and Jeanette Oku, Wine and Women takes listeners to Napa, Sonoma, and other wine regions worldwide to meet the best as well as the newest winemakers, to restaurants to meet top chefs and sommeliers, to wine-themed spas, wine country getaways, even into supermarket wine aisles where Women and Wine Angels swoops down and helps shoppers to get their wine picks and more. Women in Wine broadcasts each Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Women in Wine, enjoying life one sip at a time. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. VoiceAmerica.com Hi everyone, we are back. You are listening to Positive Living and I'm Patricia Raskin. You can give us a call today, November 12th, if you're listening live and you can call us at 866-472-5788. Positive Living is always on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and we're now in year number six of this program. 
And all of these programs are archived on my site, raskinresources.com. My guest today is Doug Knoll, host of Fixture Conflicts on World Talk Radio. Today we're simulcasting that program. You can hear him live, same time as my show. You can hear him live at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on Mondays. And Doug is recognized as one of the best lawyers in America for his work as lawyer peacemaker. And we're talking today about peacemaking from conflict to resolution. You can log on to Doug's website at lawyertopeacemaker.com or noelassociates.com, N-O-L-L. Welcome back, Doug. Thanks, Patricia. All right, let's talk about, um, you know, this whole process of mediation where the, the mediator is really helping people resolve issues. Let's talk about some common issues. And I'm thinking about, for example, siblings who are arguing over either their parents' elder care or their parents' estate or, um, but their, their family dynamics. Advise us there. Okay. So we, I, I work a lot in this area and also in family business conflicts where you see the same sort of thing. So let's start with a more difficult problem uh, because the content goals are not so obvious, and that is where you have brothers and sisters, siblings, who may be getting into a conflict over, one, how to care for their elderly, elderly parents. Do we move mom into the nursing home or not? Do we have a nurse come in? What do we do? Uh, and, and then the even more difficult and challenging problem of in the hospital, do we pull the plug or not? Uh, you know, the Terry Schiavo problem, where we've got to make a decision about that just it, it's clearly a life or death decision. Whenever we're dealing with siblings over parents, there are a lot of dynamics that are going on. One dynamic is that the siblings are now facing, maybe facing their own mortality for the first time as they mm-hmm. see their parents kind of in the last phases of life. And for the first time, maybe they're now emotionally accepting the fact that, you know, in 25 or 30 or 40 years, that's where I'm going to be. And so that's emotionally very traumatizing for people. The second thing that happens is that many times adult siblings have never learned how to work out their conflicts with their with their other siblings uh, because mom and dad have always been the peacemakers in the family. They, whenever one's had a conflict with another, they go to mom or dad, and mom or dad... Uh, works things out. And now with mom or dad incapacitated, no longer able to play that role, the siblings are in a chaos state because they're trying to redefine their relationships without the presence, the anchor of mom or dad being present. And without that anchor, as a group leader, now they have to redefine what the group is going to look like. And many, many families go through this chaos period uh, to, to one degree or another, depending upon the, the other thing that I'm thinking of when you say that is siblings who run the business yes. where the where the father or the mother has retired yes. and they're not involved anymore, even though the kids try to keep pulling them back, they're not involved. So that's a, a similar dynamic, isn't Typically, it? Typically, I don't see the siblings trying to pull mom or dad back. What I see mom or dad is trying to reinsert themselves back into the business, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is even more difficult. So, all right, so what has to happen here? Well, it's goes back to fundamentals. We've got content, relationship, identity, and process. The focus is on relationships and identity. It's getting people to listen to each other, empathizing, reading the emotional data field, stating that back so that everybody has a, gets a feeling that they're truly being listened to, identifying uh, what the true interests are, interests are that need to be satisfied, and then talking about collaborating and problem solving about how do we, how do we find a ways to satisfy these interests in a way that makes real sense. And in addition to that, we may have an experience of injustice where people have had suffered injustices from another, betrayal, breach of trust, 
disrespect, unequal treatment, um, hurtful statements, stuff like that. Those are all injustices. Uh, and so we may have to go through a reconciliation of injustice process, which is basically acknowledging that the injustice occurred, that there's nobody at fault here, it just occurred, and then talking about how do we make things right here. Recognizing All right, I want to stop for a minute. Let's say you are the mediator or the peacemaker, because we talked about the variation of both, right. and you've got the two siblings on the other side of the table, Right. and one starts screaming at the other, and it's getting out of control. Doug, what do you do? What is your, What do you say? What is your role here? Right. Okay. <laughs> I laugh because it happens almost every other day. <laughs> <laughs> it depends. Uh, sometimes I'll stop it right away. Now, how do you do that? I'll just stand up and I'll move my hands apart physically, like Moses parting the seas, and that's all I have to say. <laughs> and they'll look at me and they'll shut up. Uh, another I like the way, image of uh, if I want to, Moses if parting I, if, the seas. Yeah. If I want to stop it again. If I want to stop it another way, I'll, I'll interject. I'll say, John, what? and I usually have ground rules for how we have these conversations, and ground rule number four is being civil and respectful. I'll say, John, what's your commitment to ground rule number four right now, being civil and respectful? And John will kind of reflect back and say, well, it's not very high right now. i say, well, do you want to continue to commit to that ground rule or not? And John will say, yeah, I want to commit to it. Have you ever had anybody get really mad at you and say, Doug, you blankety-blank... I mean, sure. have you ever had anybody really out of control that way? Uh, I've never had anybody really so far out of control that they were about to get violent, which would okay. be a big mistake with me because I'm a secondary black belt. But um, <laughs> good, <laughs> yeah. But but let me just just say one other thing. I went into a family business conflict once where four siblings were basically running the business, and I walked in the first meeting, and within five minutes they were screaming at each other. Mm. I let them go for ten minutes, mm. and then I stopped them. And I said, you guys are really great warriors. You're really great fighters. Fantastic fighters and warriors. Really strong, powerful. You're crummy peacemakers. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be warriors for the rest of your life? Or do you want to be peacemakers? Mm, I bet that kept them quiet for a I while. Never had another problem. Mm-hmm. I said, mm. I'll teach you how to be peacemakers, but you have to want to get there. Okay. But if you want to be warriors, that's okay, too. It's your choice. And that's the key to the process. So then, once that happens, and you and you say we're going to stop this now, you know, then what happens next? Now, how do you start to lead them back? Then, then what? Typically, what I'll do is I, I really believe in the power of stories. And and in the family situation, sometimes I'll sometimes I'll say, okay, let's check in. What's what's going? How, what brings us to the table today? And so we'll go around the table, and people will tell stories about their stories, their perspectives about what happened. Sometimes I'll say, okay, I want each of you to tell me a story about when one of the others of you really pissed you off when you were four years old. And that's hysterical. Because then what will happen is they'll start telling the story about when Jane did this or John did that or Bill did that. And, and by the time the story is done, they're all in tears. They're crying. They're laughing and they're sobbing. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so that's a great technique. Um, and basically, because the because the doesn't some of that show what they're are they holding some of that grudge in today's world? Some of it is, but mostly it's demonstrating how much love they have for each other. Okay, that's nice. And that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show them look underneath all of this, you still love each other, mm-hmm. and you may still have all this junk on top that we've got to deal with. But fundamentally, you're all brothers and sisters, and unless there's some psychopathy going on, they typically all love each other, and so mm-hmm. it's important to bring that out. 
Um, and then we'll go into st- what brings us to the table. How did this conflict start? Now, I'll ask questions like, what would it, what's it, what's it, what would it look like for this conflict not to be in this family? Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in ten years? How important is this conflict to you to where you want to be? So I'd give them perspective, perspective taking, look, having them look at the long term. Um, so there are a whole bunch of questions, and just asking questions, asking people to reflect. And so we go in a room and people kind of share all of that until eventually you, I get a sense, and it comes with experience, that you've kind of thrashed this all out and, you've, you, and people have created an empathic reaction. They've been de-escalated, they've been listened to, and we're ready to move on. And what's the next step? Then the next step is developing the interests and injustices. What are all the interests that need to be satisfied in order for this conflict to go away? What injustices need to be made right in order for some sort of forgiveness process to begin. Okay. And we walk through, Typically, walk through give us an example of an interest and an injustice. Okay, an interest would be, uh, I have an interest in seeing that dad's wishes about how he, want, how he wanted to live his life be fulfilled. I want to honor and respect what mom and dad taught us. I want, mm-hmm. I want to respect the, in, the interest and in their dignity of life. Okay, that would be an interest, typically, if we're talking about elderly parents, for example. Mm-hmm. An injustice might be, um, through this whole process, I have felt completely, I, as the youngest child, I felt completely disrespected, ignored, um, betrayed, um, and insulted because I, everybody's treating me like I'm a three-year-old again. That would be an injustice. Okay. So you separate those out, interests from injustices. And then? And you always focus on your own injust- interest in injustices, and this is where people get in trouble is they start, they say, well, dad, dad wants, dad's interest is not having this. And I'll go back and say, John, it's not about dad's interest. It's about your interest. Mm-hmm. When you say that dad's interest is X, that's a position. Mm-hmm. That's just a disguised position. What are all the good things that would happen if that happened to dad, that would happen to you? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's very, very difficult for people to focus on their own needs. Very difficult. Because it brings up vulnerabilities that they don't want to confront. And so, but that's part of the healing process. All right. We're going to take a break. Fascinating material. My guest today is Doug Noel, host of Fix Your Conflicts on World Talk Radio. And today the show is simulcast with Doug's show on World Talk. You can log on to his website at noelassociates.com or lawyertopeacemaker.com. Doug is recognized as one of the best lawyers in America for his work as lawyer peacemaker. You can give us a call when we come back at 866-472-472. 5788. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Albert Einstein once said, Nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. Hosting Commander in Change, Empowerment Coach, and International Speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists, and leaders around the world, as well 
Paul is those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcasts each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. Young people, do you want a forum to discuss your ideas and thoughts about what matters most to you? Speak Up brings together diverse voices, cultures, and ideologies from college-age adults across the country. Host Gina Holland provides a different perspective on how current affairs impact future generations. Broadcasting live every Thursday, Speak Up with Gina urges young Americans to think, ask pertinent questions, and affect change. That's Speak Up with Gina, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi everyone, we are back. You are listening to Positive Living and I'm Patricia Raskin. And if you're listening today on Monday, November 12th at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern, you can call us at 866-472-5788. If you're listening to the archives, then you can write to Doug Knoll, lawyer to peacemaker.com or nolassociates.com, N-O-L-L associates.com. This program is archived on my, my show, raskinresources.com, on my site, as well as the Voice America site, as well as uh, Doug Knoll's site, lawyer to peacemaker.com. My guest is Doug Knoll, host of Fix Your Conflicts on World Talk Radio, and we're simulcasting my show with his show today since his show's on at the same time. Doug is recognized as one of the best lawyers in America for his work as a lawyer peacemaker. He is a full-time mediator specializing in intractable and difficult conflicts where relationships are at stake. Doug is the author of Peacemaking, Practicing at the Intersection of Law and Human Conflict. And today we're talking about just that, about peacemaking, and how do we really resolve our conflict with a collaborative and cooperative process. Welcome back, Doug. Thank you. All right. Now, Doug, we've been talking, I've been asking you about the steps, you know, when you help people, and we've been really kind of role-playing, taking an example of siblings who are arguing about family issues or estates or businesses. Now my question is, what if someone's listening to this today and saying, you know what, that's just too touchy-feely. I'm not going to sit and share my emotions with my brothers and sisters. <laughs> they don't want to hear it, and this is, forget it. Yeah, very normal reaction. Uh, the stuff is not touchy-feely. It's, it's uh, actually grounded in very hard neuroscience. And we're not sitting around the fire trying to get people to sing Kumbaya. Uh, <laughs> you know, What we're trying to do is get this conflict resolved and restore, restore peace and re- establish relationships. And there, is, there are ways that we have to work with the human brain to make that happen. So all of this is based on, on my deep research into how the brain functions in peace and conflict. Um, I will say it is difficult. It is far more, you have to choose peace. Conflict is automatic. We will automatically fight. But we have to choose peace. And the, mm-hmm. and the path of peace is oftentimes much, much more difficult than the path of conflict. And all you need to do is look at Darfur or some of the other trouble spots in the world, uh, other parts of Africa, uh, and see that conflict is an, is Well, and let, let's bring up, use that as an example. You know, there's, there's been lots of peacemaking efforts globally where two parties, two countries, as well as two people or four people have come together and said, yes, we agree, yes, and then it doesn't happen. Right. How do you make these people accountable so okay. that they keep their word and that that peacemaking process 
uh, is worth it and works. Sure. But one of the one of the reasons the conflict exists in the first place is because of a breakdown of trust. And so every agreement must have some accountability be built into it so that trust can be reestablished. Basically, uh, the mediator's role is to help the parties negotiate what accountability looks like. And that includes standards of behavior. It includes time and action plans when things are going to get done. And it includes future dispute resolution processes, agreements as to how people are going to resolve their disputes uh, in the future. Because the first thing that we all have to admit is that, okay, we've solved this conflict, but we know they're going to, we know they're going to be future conflicts. There are going to be future conflicts here. Mm-hmm. So how are we going to choose to respond to those conflicts? Oftentimes people will write me in as sort of the family mediator, the family peacemaker. And after I've done the acute phase of the conflict, um, I have to say that uh, having done thousands of these, I've never been called back, even though people you know, have... Jack, here's a question for you. You were a trial lawyer, correct? Uh, for 22 years. Okay, so we're talking, you know, big-time conflict. That's right, hardcore big-time <laughs> And big-time arguments and, and one-upsmanship and right. uh, certainly uh, emotional issues being brought to the table to definitely agitate the other party. Right. How did you go from that to this to peacemaking, and why? Well, quick the quick the quick answer is that it really started in a roundabout way. I took up the martial arts, um, got my secondary black belt. My teach, my instructor at that time, my teacher said, "You're done here," because I was at the peak of my trial career. Now a secondary black belt, really full of myself, very arrogant. Nobody could touch me. Hmm. He says, "Go learn Tai Chi." Don't come back until you've mastered Tai Chi, which means never come back because mm. you never mastered Tai Chi. So I started studying Tai Chi, and Tai Chi is the oldest of all martial arts, and it has two paradoxes. The softer you are, the stronger you are, the more vulnerable you are, the more powerful you are. Say that could, again, please. Say that again. The softer you are, the stronger you are. Mm-hmm. The more vulnerable you are, the more powerful you are. Mm-hmm. Now, for a secondary black belt in a northern Chinese kick-ass kung fu and a highly successful trial lawyer trying cases involving tens of millions of dollars all over the United States, um, those paradoxes were very, very difficult to understand. Hmm. But as I would get trained by these Tai Chi masters, they would take me and throw me across the room. Big guy, Hmm. strapping guy, 225 pounds, 6 feet tall. I'm a big guy. And, and these 90, 90-year-old masters would just touch me and throw me 40, 50, 60 wow. feet with no effort whatsoever. Wow. So I finally learned. And finally learned some humility, too. And one day I was standing in the courtroom cross-examining somebody, and it just all of a sudden the thought crossed my mind, what the heck am I doing here? Hmm. And after that I began to examine my career as a trial lawyer. Um, I learned about a master's degree program in peacemaking and conflict studies that was starting up at, our, at a local university, which happened to be run by the Mennonites. I'm not a Mennonite, but the Mennonite Church is one of the original peace churches. And so I signed up for, the, for that program, got my master's degree in peacemaking and conflict studies, and left the practice of law because my partners could not understand how a lawyer could be mm-hmm. a peacemaker and open my own practice as a professional peacemaker. Which how I've has been it doing changed your years. life, your personal life, Doug? Pardon me now? How has this changed your life? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, I help more people in um, typically in a week or even a month than I helped in 22 years as a trial lawyer. So mm. it's, wow. the professional work is very, very satisfying. Um, it has had I have had to pay a price personally. My um, moving from moving in such a dramatic way from a lawyer to peacemaker uh, cost cost me a marriage. 
which was handled peacefully and amicably, but it was that was a very challenging time of my life for a lot of different reasons. But at the same time, it, is, it also caused me to become much more deeply spiritual because when you once you start working in this area and you see the transformations occurring in the room every single day, yeah. you realize there's a lot more going on here than what you're responsible for. Mm-hmm. And that is a very profound transformative aspect, uh, uh, effect. How do you handle the change in the finances? Because I imagine that it it wasn't, or maybe it is, but I would imagine in the beginning it wasn't as lucrative as law. Um, Actually, I probably, there there have been some years when I made three times as much as when I've made as a lawyer. There have been other years when I've made less. But overall, I have not suffered financially from doing this. I have a very solid professional practice, Mm. um, and I make very good money at it. I'm very, very blessed that a lot of people entrust me with their conflicts. That's really wonderful that you're able to do this work and and keep your your financial standard. Not yeah. everybody can, Doug. That's true. But I also have to say I do a lot of pro bono work. You know, I do a lot of conflicts for free without charging. I do a lot of victim offender work in the criminal field. I do a lot of planning, designing, training, teaching, all of which is pro bono. I would say probably 60 to 70% of my time is in pro bono work, and the balance is paid work. But the paper pays very well. If you had one thing to say to folks who are listening today about from conflict to resolution and peacemaking, what is your message, Doug? My message is if you really want to have peace in your life, start within. Learn how to be peaceful within yourself by meditation, by prayer, by spiritual practice, by, by yoga. Do something that reprograms your brain by taking on some element of peace inside yourself. And once you are able to be peaceful within yourself and be non-reactive and be present in the moment, you'll find that the conflicts will slide by you like water over a hot knife. won't bother you with a little bit of steam, but no harm whatsoever. And that is the ultimate secret to peace, is doing the inner work to find inner peace so that outer conflict will no longer bother you. That's the secret. Mm. Thank you so much. What a... Wonderful. Thank you very much for being on this program today, Doug. You're welcome, Patricia. Thanks for having me. As always, it's a joy to talk with you. Thank you. Stay on the line. My guest today has been Doug Knoll, host of Fix Your Conflicts and World Talk Radio, which is simulcast today, and you can hear it at the same time. You can also go to voiceamerica.com or worldtalkradio.com or Lawyer to Peacemaker, or Noel Associates, or RaskinResources.com. You have five choices, and you can hear this program, and we'd love you to do that. Doug is is recognized as one of the best lawyers in America for his work as a lawyer, peacemaker, and full-time mediator specializing in difficult conflicts where relationships are at stake. So, again, you can contact him at LawyerToPeacemaker.com. And don't forget to listen to Doug's show, which is on Monday at the same time as mine, 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern on World Talk, and my show is on Voice America. So, folks, just want to tell you about next week's guest. Next week's guest is Jennifer Kelton. She's the author of Don't Use My Sweater Like a Towel, the stain-free guide for dating and mating in the 21st century, and she will dispel popular myths about dating and discuss how men and women can gain a better understanding of each other. So, folks, remember, as I always say at the end of each program, I love you all. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time. For Positive Living, I'm Patricia Raskin. Have a great day and a great week.
You've been listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com and tune in next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, right here on VoiceAmerica.com.